Hey everyone, welcome to this week's episode of Millennial Learns. I am Abby Rancor, your host. Thank you so much for joining. If you're new here, we have two episodes a week. One is on Mondays, one is on Thursdays. Monday is like a general informational topic and Thursdays are our Bible episode. So I go through a section of scripture, a chunk of scripture and give a summary, give a lessons learned, that sort of thing. So this week is a regular, I mean, today is a regular episode and we are going over the Catholic mass and I'll get more into why I chose this as my topic um, in a little bit. First, I want to give a little bit of an update and that is I have started a business. Me and my friend have started a business. So here's the backstory. I have been trying many different hobbies for a long time now, trying to figure out one that really clicks. What do I actually like to do in my free time? I've tried to crochet. I just tried to pick up crocheting because my cousin crocheted this amazing like sweater vest. It was so funky and cool. And I was like, I really want to crochet. So I've been starting to crochet. I realized my hands just get way too sweaty. Like they, I feel all disgusting and sweaty because there's like hot yarn on my lap and things like that. I just don't like crocheting. It's not my thing. So I've tried that. I tried sewing and you know, I've just tried different hobbies and I, this past couple weekends have been trying cross stitch and cross stitching was so fun. Like I love it. I remember trying it a long time ago. I tried to uh, cross stitch this little Mickey Mouse shape with this little kit and it was such a fail. Like I could not do it because again, my hands were too sweaty. But I, when I tried again, this like past couple weekends, it's been so fun. And that is because my, one of my best friends, Sam, is a cross stitcher. She like, well, I shouldn't say cross stitcher. She does embroidery. She's amazing at it. She's like so good. She's done it for a long time. And I always really like to see her embroidery things that she's done. And she's just really helped me in like, she's like, oh, you should definitely try this. It's really, really good. Well, she gave me all these helpful hints of like, hey, you're supposed to like um, unravel the twine before you start sewing you're not supposed to sew with like all six strands of the string well all these things that i was doing wrong really contributed to my not liking cross stitching before but when i tried this like last few weeks and when i tried to do it the right way it was amazing i love cross stitching so we were talking we were like you know she wanted to start an etsy uh business and I had just fallen in love with cross stitching. And so we decided to go in on this business together. And so we sell cross stitching patterns. We got this program, we make them, you know, you can make them custom on here. And so we've been working a way to get these really, really cool cross stitch patterns on. Some of them are a little more advanced. Some of them are really for beginners and like mini ones. We have some ghost and pumpkin spooky ones. Pull up on our new Etsy store it is called the Stitch and Buffs, and it is <laughs> we named it that because we both went to CU Boulder. That's where we met. We became friends at CU Boulder. They are the Buffs, and so there was this whole thing at CU where you would say like, "I'm an aerospace buff," like "I'm a history buff," and so now we are the Stitch and Buffs. And I cannot wait. You know, 
for this to really take off because um, I think they're really cute designs. I've like Sam has bought a lot of cross stitch patterns before and it's just a fun activity to do with you know your friends your family just in your relaxing time so go check out the store it's called stitch and buffs on etsy and i will link that in the podcast description so go check that out um okay let's get into this week's episode it is about catholic mass now why do i choose did i choose this topic this week you may be asking if you've been listening to the podcast for a while, you may know that I was kind of raised Catholic. I was baptized Catholic, raised Catholic all the way up through, you know, when you get confirmed. And I was confirmed Catholic when I was like 12 or 13. I think that's the standard age of a Catholic confirmation. Well, my family always has kind of been Catholic, but had a few doctrinal differences I would say and so we kind of stopped going to Catholic Church like when I was kind of approaching adulthood for no real particular reason other than we were reading the Bible at home and like every family gathering we would do a Bible reading so it's kind of like church anyway so we just kind of went less and less well when I then could make you know, when I was an adult and I was like in college looking for churches, I ended up going to, you know, more Protestant or non-denominational churches. But I'm now at this weird point where I don't necessarily agree with quite a few things that the Catholic Church teaches, like doctrinally. But at non-denominational churches, I'm a little bit sick of sermons that are self-indulgent I want to say so it's like a motivational speech as opposed to let's learn about the Bible or let's learn about God or Jesus or like claim his promises even it's just like a you can do it God loves you sort of vibe I'm getting from a lot of churches here and so it's put me in this weird kind of dry spell of churches like I haven't gone to church in a while and I haven't listened to church in a while because we were listening to them on, uh, you know, online because they all have online now. So we were doing that for quite a while steadily. And then all these vacations happened and we just have not gotten back in the rhythm because every time I feel like, oh, we should listen to church. It's like, do I want to sit through another hour of just a, a motivational speech kind of? Like, I think you should be kind of convicted after church sometimes, at least sometimes. Uh, you should be convicted, but it doesn't sound, you know, I'm not getting that anymore, at least currently. So I need to look around. I would love to go back to church, like in person and listen to a good sermon, you know, but the church that we go to, the campus that we go to is very far away from our new place that we're staying right now. And I just don't really want to watch it online. So I need to figure that out. But the reason, but that, that spurred me on to wanting to talk about the Catholic mass because I was kind of craving going to mass again because there's like actual Bible readings, which is sad to say that in a lot of non-denominational churches, like the, t the amount of times the Bible is opened is not very many, which is odd because like Protestants always say they're the Bible believing Christians and, you know, whatever, but Catholics read more of the Bible in mass, like 
than most churches, I would say, the most non-denominational churches. So anyway, this dry spell of church has led me back to wanting to do um, something about the Catholic mass because I kept seeing on all these social medias, I follow a lot of Catholics on social media, and they always say that the mass is like the only you know, 100% biblically based celebration and worship, and they, you know, it's the oldest church, and Jesus is the only one that is founded it. You know, Catholics are the only ones that can say that Jesus founded their religion. Um, so, I it was a combination of me not being able to find a church that I like and agree with that many things on, and a lot of social media stuff. So, I went through the entire Catholic Mass, and I'm just going to go through what happens, because I think a lot of non-Catholics are also curious about what happens during a Catholic Mass, um, if they haven't gone before, and so I wanted to just go through that, and then if I found a, like, actual biblical reference or, you know, if I find out where the root of that came from, like why you celebrate this way, blah, 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 then I will go through that as well. Some of the things weren't as like helpful. Some of the resources weren't as helpful as I wanted because for example, there's this one part of the Catholic mass where the priest blesses the deacon. And I tried to go find that like why they do that or why the words that they use were used stuff like that and people just there was not a lot of articles about why that happened so um i yeah we'll see there might not be a lot of like the root of things uh that we cover but i do want to go over the order of the mass the um structure of it and kind of why Catholics pray the prayers that they do and why mass is in this certain order. So let's get into it. Okay. So first you do what is called the introductory rites. In this article, I will link below, but it says the introductory rites help the faithful come together as one, establish communion and prepare themselves to listen to the word of God and celebrate the Eucharist worthily. So everyone walks in the well everyone's sitting down the congregation is sitting down and the priest and all the celebrants they call them are walking down the aisle they approach the altar with the ministers and venerates they called them and there is an entrance song that's being sung as this procession is happening so then everyone makes the sign of the cross and the priest says, in the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. The greeting is, the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. That's one option. Or there's an option that says, grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. And the other option is, the Lord be with you. And the congregation replies, and with your spirit. So you'll notice there's a lot of kind of options. It also depends on time of the year. So like Easter has a few different things in the mass that they do, as opposed to like a regular time in the year. There's some seasons of the year where you do special things in mass. So, um, okay, so the prayer, uh, the Father, Son, Holy Spirit, this is more of just the root of Father, Son, Holy Spirit, but it's from 
Matthew 28, 19, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So that's where that uh, was found in the Bible. And then the gesture, which is a cross over the body, they said is implicitly found in the book of Ezekiel when the prophet receives the following instruction. It says, go through the city, through Jerusalem, and put a mark on the foreheads of the men who sigh and groan over all the abominations that are committed in it. So that references a mark. The mark given was meant to label those among the faithful remnant of God's people who abhorred the abominations of the Lord and spared them from God's wrath. It says then, the significance for the gesture of the cross is that word for mark in Hebrew is simply the letter ta, which is shaped like an X or a plus sign. The Greek version is letter tau, which is T-shaped like the Franciscan cross. So the practice of making a sign of the cross not only reminds the Christian of the cross of Christ, which won the gift of salvation, but in light of the biblical tradition, it also serves to be a visible expression of fidelity to Jesus Christ and separate from the ways of the world. So there's kind of double meaning in there. Jesus obviously hung on the cross, and so that's why, but also because of this Ezekiel verse where it was supposed to mark you and your um, fidelity to God. So um, let's see. This says, so for the one with the Lord be with you, and then we say the Lord with your spirit, and the Lord be with your spirit. That comes from 2 Timothy 4.22, where the um, biblical origin, it says, okay, wait. So it says, first, 2 Timothy 4.22, Timothy says, the Lord be with your spirit. So that's taken from Timothy. So a lot of this language is pulled from like little Bible references. Um, and I probably won't go through all of them because there's a ton like a lot of this language is just taken from like Psalms or um, like I, I looked at one prayer and the list of biblical references was crazy because they call him Lamb of God. Okay, that's taken from somewhere in this book. Um, and then they call him like some other name, Almighty God or something. That's taken from another book. So I won't go through all those because it might get very repetitive, but just know that a lot of this language is from specific Bible verses. Okay, um, let's see. So then we have what's called the penitential act. This is, it says the priest invites the faithful to the penitential act. Then one of the penitential acts follows. So this is my favorite one. I I'm just going to read. There's, again, multiple options for this, depending on the congregation you're in. But this is the one that I kind of grew up with and that I like the most. So it goes like this. I confess to Almighty God and to you, my brothers and sisters, that I have greatly sinned in my thoughts and in my words, in what I have done and in what I have failed to do. Then you strike your breast, it says. You like hit your chest and say, through my fault, through my fault, through my most grievous fault. Therefore, I ask blessed Mary, ever virgin, and all of the angels and saints, and you, my brothers and sisters, to pray for me to the Lord our God. So, this is like the entire assembly confessing their sins at the same time. And this is actually found in Nehemiah 9-2. And if you listen to our Bible episodes, that was like last week's episode. And Nehemiah, again, I'm going to stress it even more. Nehemiah is a great book of the Bible to read. So, I would encourage everyone to go read it. Um, okay, so it says, when the Israelites renewed their cover 
covenant with Yahweh through the priest Ezra, after returning to Jerusalem from the Babylonian exile, they stood and confessed their sins. So everyone came out of their houses and confessed their sins as a group. So that is what this is reminiscent of. Um, but yes, so then the grievous fall part used to only be one time. You would just say, through my most grievous fall, I ask the Blessed Mary. But now you say it three times since Vatican II. Um, and I talked a little bit in another episode about what Vatican II is, but it was basically a big convention that kind of redid some of the rules of, you know, how Catholics worship and things like that. During that, this uh, penitential act prayer got changed from just saying through my fault one time to three times and hitting your chest during it. And that is because they wanted to evoke more of a posture of repentance. It's easy to speed through something that says like, in what I have done and what I have failed to do through my fault, I ask Mary. But when you have to like sit and say it three times and then hit your chest while you're doing it, you fully get to sink in that you have sinned. And so that helps posture yourself into more of a repentance mindset. So, um, they also have other versions that aren't really a prayer, but they're more of a song. Well, I don't know if they do a song. There's, there's different versions where you can sing things or speak. And so one of the other versions, they just say, have mercy on us, O Lord. And then we say, for we have sinned against you. Show us, O Lord, your mercy and grant us your salvation. That's like a back and forth. And then there's one that says, Lord, have mercy. The assembly repeats, Lord, have mercy the priest then says, Christ have mercy, which the assembly repeats. And then again, Lord have mercy, Lord have mercy. So, um, those are the three penitential act kind of options. And then they have what is called an absolution by the priest. So it says, may God, may almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins and bring us to everlasting life. Um, and that is like the, finishing part of the penitence, wait, what did I call it? Penitential act. Um, And then if you didn't do the Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy section during the penitential act, you then do that after the absolution. So at some point you are saying, Lord have mercy, Christ have mercy, Lord have mercy. Okay. Then it goes into Gloria which is meant to echo the songs of the angels at the birth of Christ. So it says, glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace to people of goodwill. We praise you. We bless you. We adore you. We glorify you. This is a very, this is obviously a very common song. Um, In the Catholic church, you sing this every time, every mass. Um, So that's on Sundays and solemnities. I think for things like Easter, again, you can, they might switch out Gloria with another song. So that is like the end of the first act, I want to say, because that is the introductory rites. That's the end of the introductory rites. Then we move into a section of the mass called the Liturgy of the Word. So this is where readings happen. The first reading is if it's during a regular time, not like Easter or Lent or, you know, I I need to get better at the Catholic sort of 
calendar and schedule of events because I really don't know. I only know Easter is a special time and I'm assuming Christmas. Um, The first reading, if it's just during a regular time, is going to be from the Old Testament. During Easter, it's from the Acts of the Apostles, which talks about Jesus's life before his ministry on earth. So you read the first reading and then after every reading, the person who reads it at the the pulpit um, says the word of the Lord and then the assembly says, thanks be to God. So as you can start to tell, there's a lot of reverence happening and that's what I'm missing in non-denominational churches. I feel like everyone's just like, bring your coffee and bagel and we're just going to like run around. Like, I don't know. There just doesn't seem to be any reverence for God. It seems like you're keeping him kind of over in the corner and you're just like, oh, I'm going to have a rock band and, you know, like a rock show that's a motivational speech and really not mention God that much. Um, At least that's how some of these big churches seem to be operating now. I like part of the Catholic Church that things are like rooted in tradition, that things are old. I'm really drawn to the tradition of it, but I just don't agree with some of the doctrinal stuff. So, um, but I like that this first reading will be a big chunk of the scripture, you know, from the Bible that we're all reading together. And every Catholic in the world is reading the same ones on that Sunday. It's like you move as a collective group, which I like. Okay, then you do a psalm. So it says, after the first reading, the psalmist or cantor sings or says the psalm with the people making a response. So this is where they kind of sing a psalm and then they raise their hands up and there's like a um, line that you repeat as the assembly back in song. Okay, then they do the second reading. Um, On Sundays and certain other days, there is a second reading reading it concludes with the same response as above so you do the psalm again the second reading it says is from the new testament always and then there's a gospel reading the assembly stands to sing the gospel acclamation to welcome the gospel they remain standing in honor of the gospel reading the high point of the liturgy of the word so this is like where it's all building up to again a lot of reverence they stand they're welcoming the gospel and I like that. So it says, the Lord be with you and with your spirit. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to, it'll say, Mark, Luke, John, Matthew. (laughs) Almost forgot Matthew for a second. Um, So they have the reading. Then at the end of the reading, they say the gospel of the Lord. And then the whole assembly says, praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So those are all the readings. Then Everyone sits down and the priest gives the homily. So the homily is like the Protestant version of the entire service. That's the talking part, like interpreting what you just read, how you will, um, you know, apply that for the rest of your life, how you're going to apply that for that week. That is like where the priest is teaching you. Um, But they do a lot of Bible reading before that, which I enjoy. Okay, then the creed. This is one of my favorite parts of the Catholic Mass, to be honest. I like saying this, like, 
and knowing that everyone is on the same page. Like you basically go over your beliefs every single mass. And the Nicene Creed, well, let me read it first and then I will go over some of the background of the Nicene Creed because it's kind of long, but I'm going to read it. So there's, again, multiple versions of um, of this creed. Now, this one that I'm about to read is a little bit different than the one that I learned as a kid because they go through these changes every so often where they change a few words of things. And so, like, for example, there's a part in here that says, of all things visible and invisible. When I was growing up in church, it said, of all things seen and unseen. So, things like that. Um, I remember I went back to a col- uh, in college to a Catholic Mass, and I went with one of my friends who also grew up Catholic, but hadn't been to Mass in, like, five, ten years. And we went back, and we were saying all of the old sayings, like, like uh, the part where it says, and with your spirit. We used to say, and also with you. And so we were going back to Catholic Mass for, like, the first time in a really long time, and they the priest stood up and said, the Lord be with you. And we said, and also with you, like very loud. And it was supposed to be, and with your spirit. So I think John Mulaney actually did a bit about that because he grew up Catholic too. And it was like, they always change the words. Um, so anyway, so this is the, the Nicene Creed. It says, I believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, consubstantial with the Father, through through him all things were made. For us men in our salvation, he came down from heaven. Then, in this part of it, you bow. And by the Holy Spirit was incarnate of the Virgin Mary and became man. Then you stand back up. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered, died, and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who... Uh, with the Father and Son, he is worshipped and glorified. He has spoken through the prophets. I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Okay, that is the Nicene Creed. And I enjoy the Nicene Creed immensely. Now, sometimes it's the Apostles' Creed. Um, that one is also good. That one is just, I believe in God, the Father almighty creator of heaven and earth and in jesus christ his only son our lord who was conceived by the holy spirit born of the virgin mary suffered under pontius pilate was crucified died and was buried and descended into hell uh oh that wasn't it on the third day he rose again from the dead he ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the father from there he will come to judge the living and the dead i believe in the holy spirit the holy catholic church the communion of saints the forgiveness of sins the resurrection of the body and life everlasting so both of those are creeds they're done i think at different times of the year um oh okay so during lent and easter time especially the apostles creed may be used okay so what do i want to say about the nicene creed um basically there was a lot of things that were at one point 
highly debated. One of those was the fact that Jesus could be God um, because there was debate, you know, around the high thinkers of the day that if Jesus was God and then the father was God, you were worshiping two gods and you couldn't claim to be monotheistic. And then the other group obviously thought the Trinity was how that was structured. And so the creeds were, you know, developed and kind of wordsmith and circulated to clear up the confusion about what the Catholic church actually believed. So every mass, they say what they believe. And I like it because you have a reminder every single time you're in mass why you're there like you know it really outlines it well the whole story like i believe in god i believe that jesus came to help with the sins he died he was risen he will come again and it sums up the whole thing great it's a good reminder of why you went to church that day so um i like that a lot and then let's see, what is the next thing? So then they say the prayer of the faithful. So it says, after each intention, there is a pause while the faithful pray. So they say like, we pray for our, the leaders of our country that they may make wise decisions and that the Holy Spirit would guide them. Then, then the person reading the prayer says, Lord, in your mercy. And the assembly says, hear our prayer. This can be, I believe, to pray for the dead. Um, so you pray for those in purgatory who have recently passed. So they pray for those um, people. And then at the end, the priest concludes the prayer with a um, collect, it says. When the liturgy of the word has been completed, people sit. So that's like the next act. So it's the introductory rites and then the liturgy of the word. And now we have the liturgy of the Eucharist. So the liturgy of the Eucharist, this is on uh, liturgyoffice.org. It says under the notes, I said liturgy of the Eucharist. It says for Catholics, the Eucharist is the source and summit of the whole Christian life. It is the vital center of all that the church is and does because it, because it is at the heart Wait, because at its heart is the real presence of the crucified, risen, and glorified Lord, continuing and making available his saving work among us. So what happens here is there is a, like an opening song to where the gifts are offered. So the gifts are bread and wine. They're brought down in procession. Now, this was a highlight of growing up in Catholic church, like getting chosen to bring down the gifts was so exciting for me we tried to sit you know it would always be like the third or fourth row that they would choose you from so we would strategically sit there so that the um ushers would come and say do you want to bring down the gifts and i was like yes i do really want to bring down the gifts and so our whole family would be the ones that go down to the gifts so they have a song they give everyone their either bread or wine cups or water cups or whatever you bring down the gifts to the priest and hand them off to the priest and the deacon and all all of that um so then as that's happening like when that's all done then the priest says prayers aloud and um the assembly's acclamation each time is blessed be god forever so he preps this whole ceremony the whole eucharist 
and you know they have to set up the whole altar and things and put the the bread and the wine down before they get into their prayer so they the people running the the mass are prepping as um as people sing and stuff so then the priest says pray brethren brothers and sisters that my sacrifice and yours may be acceptable to god the almighty father may the lord accept okay and then we say may the lord accept the sacrifice at your hands for the praise and the glory of his name for our good and the good of all his church so then the priest says a prayer over all of the offerings and at the end everyone says amen so then there is a eucharistic oh wait um sorry the the thing i'm going off of has kind of a weird format but okay then we have a eucharistic prayer so then the the priest says the lord be with you and we say and with your spirit the priest says lift up your hearts we say we lift them up to the lord priest let us give thanks to the lord our god and us it is right and just now again they changed this it used to be it is right to give him thanks and praise which i kind of like better than it is right and just but that's just me i'm not a vatican ii uh <laughs> like i i couldn't weigh in on that decision but i like it is uh it is right and just is just okay it is right to give him thanks and praise i like okay the priest then concludes the preface with people singing holy 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 lord of god of hosts heaven and earth are full of your glory this again is another song that is always in every mass um and that is just drilled into my mind i will never forget that song because i sang it so much as a kid okay then the priest continues with the eucharistic prayer after the words of the consecration, the priest says, the mystery of faith. And then we say, we proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Um, it says, when we eat this bread and drink this cup, we proclaim your death, O Lord, until you come again. Then the priest says, and the peace of the Lord be with you always. And we say, and with your spirit. And then the priest says, let us offer each other a sign of peace. So this is when you go and like shake hands or say good morning or whatever to um, other people people in the congregation this also happens a lot in um protestant churches i've noticed not this formal like let's offer each other a sign of peace but more like hey say hi to your neighbor say hi to someone and it helps kind of build community with the people around you so this whole structure of the eucharist thing feels very old testament like bring your gifts to the altar and then we will inquire of the lord and ask him like if he accepts this gift that kind of thing it's like very very old testament is what it reminds me of now what i don't know about yet and what i don't really have an opinion on yet is like if it matters it like if it matters if you celebrate it the way that the old testament people did because like jesus came and was the ultimate sacrifice so do we need to make a sacrifice now you know, because they say, let let the Lord accept this sacrifice at your hands. Well, we're not like killing a goat anymore, but we are offering a sacrifice. Does that matter? Like, did Jesus talk about how we shouldn't, how we should worship differently than the Old Testament? Or are we really supposed to be continuing to basically do uh, something reminiscent of the Old Testament? So I will know more about that uh, once... I am into the New Testament, like reading the New Testament straight through. But I mean, I am curious about that because all of this seems uh, very like 
like first kings type of worship. Um, okay, so I missed this little part. At the conclusion of that prayer, the priest takes the chalice and the host and raises both of them. So there's a big consecrated host and then there's a, you know, a chalice and says through him, with him, in him, O God, almighty father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honor is yours forever and ever. And usually they like ring a bell. And in like later years when I was going to mass, they went from saying that to singing it. So they'd be like forever and ever and then like ring a bell and then put it down. It's very cool. I like this part of the mass. Um, but I was thinking about it. Like if I go back to Catholic mass, I don't think I would take, you know, the communion right now because you're supposed to be Catholic to take the communion. I don't really know if I consider myself Catholic still, um, because there are a decent amount of doctrinal things or like dogma that you're really not supposed to disagree with if you're part of the Catholic church, um, that I disagree with. So I don't know. I might go back to a Catholic mass just to get that like tradition that I'm <laughs> craving and then uh, just not take the communion, um, but we'll see. So, okay, so next is the communion, right? The Lord's Prayer. Um, so you say, let's see. Okay, so the priest says, at the Savior's command and formed by divine teaching, we dare to say, and they say, uh, our Father. And that was like, from that's from the Bible, straight from the Bible about how Jesus taught us to pray. He like gave us a template of how to pray. And that's what they say. Our father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. It's that one. Then the priest after that uh, said, deliver us Lord, we pray in the coming of our savior, Jesus Christ. Um, so he prays for more stuff and then says, and the coming of our savior, Jesus Christ, for the kingdom, the power and the glory are yours now and forever. That's what the assembly says. Um, and then that is really the, or let's see. Okay, so then, this is in such a weird format, I'm sorry. So, okay, so then in communion it says, may the peace of the Lord be with you always, we say, and with your spirit, which um, happens a lot. Okay, then you do breaking up the bread. I might have had things in a slightly different order, but you know, this is supposed to be the whole rite of the Eucharist or the liturgy of the Eucharist. Okay. So then you break bread say, Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world to have mercy on us. Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world to have mercy on us. And then Lamb of God, you take away the sins of the world, grant us peace. That's a song. Okay. Then everyone all kneels. The priest prays some private prayers. And this is where that blessing, I think, of the uh, deacon takes place. And so um, the priest genuflex takes the host and holding it slightly raised says, behold, the lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. Blessed are those who are called to his supper. Everyone else says, Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter my roof, but only say the word and I, my soul shall be healed. Okay, then everyone takes communion. So then everyone files up in a line, goes and takes the body of Christ, which is the bread, and the blood of Christ, which is the wine. Now, a big difference between Protestants and Catholics is that Protestants think that that is a symbol. Catholics actually believe that it turns into the body and the blood of Christ. 
And so that's pretty much why they only want it to be Catholics only because no one else really believes that. And so you, they want unity within the body of Christ that believes that this is the body and blood of Christ. And so they don't want like false unity. They can't just be like, oh, everyone take it because that's a unity they say that doesn't actually exist. Okay, then there's prayer after communion. So usually after communion, you go back and kneel silently kind of by yourself and then pray. But then the priest prays um, for, you know, he does another prayer, prays after the communion, and then we say amen. Okay, and then the last part of the Mass, uh, my thing won't scroll over. The last part of the Mass is the concluding rites, which is basically just a blessing that says, may Almighty God bless you, the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. We say amen. Then there's dismissal, which is the deacon or the priest can say, go forth, the Mass has ended. Go and announce the gospel of the Lord. Go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. Go in peace. Thanks to God. Well, those are the four different options of what I would say. But I like, go in peace, glorifying the Lord by your life. They say something along those lines. And then we all say, thanks be to God. And then the priest and the deacon and all the people helping the altar servers and stuff will go back up the aisle to an exit song and then mass is over and i like that dismissal because it's like yeah you learned something today you read the bible you heard a homily you hopefully learned something now you have to go apply it and there's a reminder to go apply it to your life a lot of times in protestant churches there's really not that reminder it's like oh good job and it's up to you to kind of go apply it so that is what I have for today. I hope you liked it. I really, again, I really like the Catholic Mass. It's just some things I don't believe that the Catholic Church does. But if you haven't been to a Catholic Mass, I would highly recommend it because the tradition is very good. Like, I do think there's something good about having reverence and an appreciation for, like, the history of the faith, an appreciation for the fact that Jesus actually came and died for us. And it's not just like all about you. It's about worshiping God. I like that focus so much better. And so I would highly recommend going to a Catholic mass and checking it out. And in the meantime of when I'm working through all my uh, think things that I think I believe, like the dogma and stuff, um, yeah, maybe I'll just go and not like take communion. I don't really know what their take on it is because I am Catholic. I'm confirmed Catholic. But I would imagine they don't want you to take it if you're, like, questioning um, if it's the body and blood of Christ, you know? So, uh, we'll see. But I hope you guys found that as informative as I did. I really liked revisiting this and, like, kind of getting to the root of why each part of this is in the Mass. And, um, yeah, that's it. So, uh, go check out a Catholic Mass and also go check out my Etsy shop, me and Sam have been working hard. We're, I think we're a really good team and we are very excited to open that business. So that's all for me today. Have a great week. I will talk to you on Thursday for our Bible episode. Bye everyone.